Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to The Checkout. It's a podcast. It's also a radio show produced at WBGO Studios. All of our shows hosted on our homepage at checkoutjazz.org. I'm Simon Rettner. I've been wanting to do this interview for, I don't know, ever since I got into the business of jazz. And I wrote this for WBGO's epic fall preview where we highlight 88 things coming to the jazz world this season. Piano firebrand Hiromi responded to the pandemic with creative punches her silver lining suite featuring a string quartet. She calls it a piano quintet. It's a vessel, but I think it's more like a soaring starship propelling her piano heroics. Titles such as Isolation may hint toward a downer headspace, but let me tell you, these compositions are meant to uplift. And maybe there's a nod to Errol Garner in there too. Hiromi, what's up? Welcome to the Hi. show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I feel like uh, your time at Berklee College of Music, just reading your bio, must have been very formative. And I bring this up first because I was in Boston in college at the same time at Emerson. Oh. Starting to get in. And I think it was me and my buddy, Matt, saw you either at Scholars or Regatta Bar, one of these really early performances of you. Mm-hmm. And... We were just sort of floored, stunned, and I definitely know I would have been too terrified to talk to you then. So I'm glad that I've uh, caught up. signed to Telarc, this relationship that you've had with this label for so many years, which must have come during your time in Boston and with your mentorship with Ahmed Jamal, among other people, because Ahmed Jamal would play Boston so frequently. That was like such a home for him. Does this all where it started to happen for you, at least professionally? The reason why I got to sign to Telarc is uh, uh, it's because of Ahmad. He had my one of my pieces, and he recommended me to Telak. He introduced me to Telak, and uh, also um, he Ahmad happened to be the really close friend of uh, one of the professor in Berkeley, and he first heard my composition and. He's the one, the Richard Evans is the one who introduced me to Ahmad. So yeah, it definitely all started in Boston. This album, The Silver Lining Suite, you're providing a positive response to this catastrophic event, but turning to a string quartet you have to explain that one. Well, my whole tour got canceled in March 2020. Just like any other musicians, I, I was stuck at home doing pretty much nothing, just apart from practicing and writing music. And I was just thinking, what can I do You know, under this situation right now? All the musicians that I've been playing with cannot travel. I decided to stay in Tokyo. So I started to think, so who can I play with when none of my friends, musicians can't travel here? Then I thought about this violinist who 
I was a concert master when I played with New Japan Philharmonic in 2015. I immediately thought of him and I contacted him and he said that's a great idea and you know I just got really inspired to write and started to write all these music for piano quintet. This whole silver lining suite is consisted of four different movements. And so the first one is isolation. The second one is the unknown. The third one is drifters. The fourth one's fortitude. And I wanted to write about this uh, whole, my emotional journey through the pandemic. I think it was such an unhealthy environment for all the musicians, I mean, especially the musicians who performs, because we kind of lost the place to release our energy. Only thing I could do was writing music, just imagining that, that someday I'm going to play this music, perform this music in front of the audience. And that was the only thing kind of kept me going. So I just had to kept writing and writing in the spirit of fortitude. <laughs> You forced yourself to write music. It was like a chore, even even when you wanted to maybe lie in bed and do nothing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love music and I love to perform. And I love performing my own composition too. I love writing. I wasn't really forced to do, but how can I explain? It was like, I just felt that that was really healthy for me to write music. said uh, that you do make an effort to write music every day. How long, how long have you been doing that? Well, I, I, I'm not sure if I can say I write music. It's, sometimes it's just like a single motif, you know, or just single chords, like a couple of chords, you know, for a few, few bars. What'd you write today? Can you sing it? <laughs> um, I haven't written yet today, <laughs> but I will. <laughs> Oh, okay. What about yesterday? Yeah, yesterday I put I, I did write a couple of chords yesterday. It's like my music journal for me, you know. Just, just I've been doing it since really little. Like writing music for me is was always with me, and it's such a natural thing for me to do. So it's not. It's really special and precious, but it's like a daily life. 
You started playing piano when you were six, basically, and then started taking lessons when you were eight. So basically, music and the piano has always been a part of your life, every moment of your waking memory. <laughs> You remember writing your first song, I guess, should be my question. Um, well, the first song, I mean, I was writing like a little bit of motif in the beginning, but the first song I wrote when I was six, like as a completed piece is, <laughs> the piece is called The Chickens Can't Fly. Why? <laughs> <laughs> the Chickens Can't Fly, why? Yeah, why can't chickens fly? Nice. It's, it's a yeah, it's masterpiece. <laughs> I'm just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you know, just just like that, that was you know, I mean, as a six years old, I was just wondering, why can all birds, other birds, can fly, but why can't chicken fly? And I write a song about it. That's how it was always, you know. <laughs> the record you you made before this, Spectrum. Um, hints at that you may have like synesthesia vibes. I don't know if you do. Do you see colors when you play? Yeah, I do. It's because um, my first piano teacher always saw colors in music. And, you know, when even when she I was studying classical music with her, she colors all the sheet music with color pencil. So you know, like if oh, I wow. have to play like passionate, passionately, then she would color it like all red. And if I, if she wants me to play that very part, like melancholically, then she would um, paint it with blue. So I, I was always, you know, seeing colors because of that. One of the moments that spurred this writing for strings moment is that you put four chairs on stage near a piano, mm -hmm. empty chairs. And mm -hmm. that was the moment that spawned the string quartet idea. So that's kind of a visualization in a way, right? How can you explain that moment? I was um, playing a bunch of solo shows. This was your yes. August and September Save the Music solo performances. Yes, save live music. Yes, I was trying to do something for the live music industry. 16 days, 32 shows. When it was uh, toward the end, I was uh, trying to think about the next run of save live music. This, it looks like the pandemic is not ending that soon. 
Then when I thought about this piano and string quartet idea, I just randomly put the four chairs next to the piano. Looking at the stage from the audience, like empty audience side, and see if I can hear the music. And I heard, and that really brought me a lot of inspiration. Like I started to hear whole violins, viola, cello, piano. Ah, okay, it's gonna work. Yeah, it's gonna work. <laughs> You called this "Save Live Music" concerts. Were you ever personally scared that live music would go away? Did you actually think that could be a possibility? I never thought live music will go away, but I, you know, thought that a lot of people can lose a job. So if I play, then everybody gets to work. Audio engineer, lighting director. I just wanted. People to keep working so that you know club doesn't have to close, and of course you know I can't save whole music industry myself, but at least I could do something in my territory, you know. And if each each musicians do that, then I thought it's going to be a big power, right? And so that was thirty-two solo piano sets, and、yes. did you? Play something different each set. Did you repeat yourself during that experience? Thirty-two shows. I did like four different projects. My first solo album, and the which is "Place to Be," and the second round was uh, uh, for the Spectrum. My second solo CD. Then I also did like、um, collections of songs from you know my debut album to the very recent one. I, I picked like. You know, one song from each album, and also did like ballads night that I only play ballads. It's kind of funny that you played a night of ballads. One of the obvious things that I hear from you now, today, and what I hear heard from you then, back in two thousand and three, how ridiculously fast you play, which is sort of like your trademark. And I'm sure you're tired of talking about it all the time. No, I'm not. You know, I mean, it's it's easy for media to spot that. I think because it's obvious fact, right? That、yeah. I do have fast fingers. Anybody can spot that. But I know that my fans, who really enjoys my music and listen to my music, are not there only for that. I have much deeper things to say, and I don't play fast without meaning.
did you always play that fast from the very beginning, or is that something that happened with your early uh, relationship with Czech Korea? Um, well, I grew up listening to Errol Garner, Oscar Peterson since age of eight. Okay, so I was right about the Errol Garner thing. Yes, definitely. And, you know, big fan of Art Tatum. So, you know, growing up listening to these guys, like Phineas Newborn Jr., and, you know, transcribe their music, then, you know, you get that chops for sure, because it's beautifully played. Oscar Peterson, he is famous for, like, real amazingly fast chops, but he's much more than that, of course. His swing is ridiculous, and his lines, like how the notes are composed, you know, in improvisation. I always heard that. But you can't force people to hear what in your music, you know? So yeah. I just play what I feel. And, you know, if some people can only take it as, okay, she plays fast, then probably, you know, we don't share same emotions and it's okay. So what was it like representing your country for the Olympics? You know, to be honest, I mean, of course I'm honored and I'm happy to perform. And, you know, my, all my families were like super excited to see me on TV and, and all my friends, I got phone calls from every friends in the world. <laughs> but, you know, for me, every performance is equal. Playing in the Olympics, and playing in scholars, every performance is equal to me. I just give everything I have. So in that sense, it's like I'm honored every day when I get to perform. Such a diplomatic answer. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really, I, that, that's how really, I really, really feel so. You know, honestly, people don't believe me for that answer. But whenever I get to perform, it really doesn't matter where it is. Like, as long as there is people who wants to share my music with, then I appreciate it. And I just give everything I have. And I, that's how I lived all my life touring. And I don't think it will change, you know. It doesn't matter if it's prestigious stage or if it's, you know, small little hole in this village. It doesn't matter. If I have a chance to perform, it's equal and they just give everything I have. And that's how I live my life.
Uncertainty, Hiromi from her Silver Lining Suite. The record comes out October 8th. Hiromi also performs at Sony Hall with her piano quintet tonight when this podcast drops. That's October 7th. But if you want to see her on tour, just go to our website. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. And hopefully you have followed us on all of our social media platforms, Twitter, at Checkout Jazz. We also have a Facebook page. And you can find me at Simon Rettner on Instagram. And make sure to also subscribe to our podcast, Jazz United, hosted by Nate Chinen and Greg Bryant, when you get a chance. The Checkout is a production of WBGO Studios. I'm Simon Rettner. Thanks for checking us out.